You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. Hungry. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Welcome to E-Commerce All-Stars, brought to you by Nadimo.com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking. Today's show with your host, Brandon Moscow, of course, and today I'm excited. I have a good friend of mine, Andrew Busby, on the line today. He's a founder of Retail Reflections, a contributor for Forbes, um, as well as he recently came out with the book, Harry Was Right All Along, which my biggest reason for getting him on the show because he finally got to do a big brain dump of all of his years of experience into this amazing book. I've only read a bit of it, um, and most of it was online, Andrew, and I apologize for that, but I was just still waiting for my book to arrive. Um, but that said, there's I've talked to you so many times, and everything I keep reading about the book is just is awesome, and I really want to dive into essentially just dive right in um but thanks for being on the show today oh thanks Brent. thanks for having me it's a pleasure yeah it's always fun to talk to you because i think we have a lot of um symmetrical as well as perpendicular um thoughts on things and so i think it's always a good little chat we have um so let me just start it off uh harry was right all along what was harry right about and and what's the meaning behind the title Okay, so probably um, the first thing to, to answer is who was Harry? Um, yep. And I, I'd I'd hope I imagine that uh, most, if not all, of uh, your listeners um, this podcast uh, will uh, know of Selfridges. Uh, so the Harry is Harry Selfridge. And quick um, quick history lesson: um, Harry Selfridge opened his store on London's Oxford Street in 1909. And the reason why I took inspiration from him uh, was basically because of the, the sort of philosophy that he had towards retail. So obviously we're going back over a hundred years. And the really interesting thing for me is that actually what he was talking about uh, you know, all those years ago uh, is what a lot of people today would have you believe is kind of something new um i i personally i i loathe the term experiential retail but we i guess we all know what we mean by that but you know the customer experience uh the role of the store which i'm sure we'll probably talk a bit more about um and and the fact that the the store is not just a shop it's a meeting place it's a place to socialize and commune and it's a nice space uh to be and what Harry was saying, uh, as I say, all, you know, over, that you know things like, well, if people come to come to Selfridges, come to come to my store, and they spend time, uh, but they don't buy anything, well, that's okay, uh, because hopefully they've had such a great time that they'll want to come back, and the next time they'll spend something, <clears throat> and. That for me is such a great philosophy. And let's face it, there are so many retailers today who just simply don't follow that. They think that you know, as long as they stack the shelves full of product, open the doors, 
um, will come in and, and will buy, you know, what they want us to buy at the price, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, we know that that model just simply doesn't work these days because the consumer, all of us, are far smarter, we're far more savvy, uh, and, and we're far more demanding and, and expecting of, of, of retailers. So um, that was the reason, you know, why, who was Harry and what was he right about? Uh, he was certainly uh, right about the, the philosophy. And, and almost if you, could, um, uh, if you could bring him to life today, he would be the perfect consultant for you know, many, many retail businesses to, to teach them the right sort of philosophy and culture about how they should engage with their with their customers, and he didn't call them customers, of course, he called them guests. And again, you know, and I, I don't think there's anything uh, flippant about that. I think it was it was very very sincere that, as in a hotel, uh, refers to to the to you know to us as guests. So was he referring to his customers as as, uh, as guests? And uh, I just think we've got so much that we could learn from him. And I've tried to bring that out in in the book, really. Um, you know, it, it's meant to be um, a fairly light, fairly easy read, but at the same time informative and insightful. And a lot of the things that we can learn from Harry, I, I try to bring out in the book. I think that's fantastic. Um, I mean, I read a book many, many years ago that I still tell people is one of the best books you could possibly read if you're in business, period. Um, and that is uh, how to win friends and influence people. And then everybody always debates all oh, the title of the book or this or that. But the whole point is, is it was written a long time ago by a man who, if you really read what he has to say, Dale Carnegie, there is some very valuable insights in there. And I think what you've done with, with kind of pointing out what Harry was right about um, really kind of emphasizes that same kind of approach, like, like you talked about maybe not being a fan of the term experiment, experiential shopping or experiential retail and that sort of thing. It's not so much the terminology as much as it is the philosophy and things. Um, yeah. And I think it's one thing you said is kind of interesting because I've always kind of been on the fence about, which is, you know, in retail, you bring them into your store and yes, if they have a great experience there or however you want to term it, then, then your guests or your customers, however you want to look at it, will come back and then maybe they'll buy next time and that sort of thing. And and it's an interesting concept because a lot of people, myself included, especially in the online world, it's such a competitive space that I've often looked at it as, okay, you've got, you know, with the 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 numbers that are out there, you've got 2% of the people will come to your store and actually buy when they're there um, and so that another 98% is just leaving and I've always and there's been a lot of focus and I've done it myself to some extent focused on well how do you convert those rates get those rates higher conversion um, I think the other side of that is well make sure that you are giving them a good experience so that they will come back um, and, and then maybe they'll buy the next time so it's not so much about increasing that conversion rate even in your walk-in stores or online, whichever, it's about improving that experience, giving them a reason to come back because they've enjoyed something there or that sort of thing. Uh, so I think that's a very interesting point that you've just mentioned. Um, um, uh, and it goes to yeah. the question that you pointed out uh, on your... Sorry, go on. 
I was going to say, so it, it, it comes down to, I think, inspiring us and um, uh, piquing our curiosity, if you like. Um, and, and if you think of the, um, and Selfridges is obviously is, is one of them, uh, but you think of some of the, the, the better retailers, that's what they do. Um, because otherwise it just becomes functional and practical. Uh, and, and, you know, and we can go anywhere for the functional and practical things. Um, but, but the great, the great retailers are the ones that, that really think about how they engage with their, their customer. And, and as you rightly say, they, they give us a reason to keep on going back. And I think that's, and, and they, and by doing that, um, and obviously, although it sounds very simple and easy, knowing their customer, which I think is increasingly difficult these days, um, they then, um, by knowing that, by knowing the customer, they, they remain relevant. And I think that's the, the, for me, that's the key for all retail businesses and brands they have to remain relevant and if you look at the ones that um struggle uh they haven't and you know one that we heard heard about this week and i believe they're closing all their stores in in canada is forever 21 um you know apart from maybe the other reasons i would suggest that they you know haven't remained relevant with their customers interesting and how how do you like, what do you mean by that? Like, how how do you stay relevant? I mean, I was reading some of what you wrote there, and you were talking about, you know, retail's investment in e-commerce and, you know, the consequence of losing relevance that way. But is that what you're referring to in this situation, or is it something else? Well, what I'm referring to is a number of things. First is that, yeah, you, you have to deliver and keep on delivering. You have to know your customer and deliver and keep on delivering what they want. Um, and... You ha and probably actually the starting point is understanding your brand and being able to communicate that. And again, that's a very difficult thing. Um, you know, there are some uh, some notable examples. So, um, Apple, I would say, would be a good example of um, a company that that knows its what it stands for and its brand. Nike would be another one. Um, you know, and there, there are you know plenty of plenty of other examples, but but they're very clear about what their brand stands for, and I think that's important because if you're not, your customer gets confused, and when they get confused, they'll go elsewhere because they don't know quite what you stand for. And I'm not necessarily there talking about well, your position on let's say sustainability issues. I'm just talking about you know what what it, what it means. Um, so I, I often use the example of the uh, Irish-based um, fashion retailer Primark, um, who are very clear about what their brand stands for, and um, and you know they have a low price point, they have a certain level of quality, but everybody knows and understands what 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 that is, and so whenever you mention Primark, people know what what you're what you're talking about. So in that way, they are they are relevant. The most obvious way of losing that relevance, of course, is if you, you lose sight of your customer and your customer base um, and you don't engage with them. Um, because I think more and more a retailer, <coughs> excuse me, a retailer needs to be able to 
engage with their customers um, in, in ways that they have never had to previously. And by that, I mean, in particular, um, social media, um, joining the conversation and engaging in, in that way. Some are very good. Um, some are not so good. Um, mm-hmm. The ones that are not so good are rapidly losing their relevance. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I just, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's the whole key, right, is to know your customer. And sometimes people, in so many different ways, from small to big, I mean, you can have like the big multi-billion dollar uh, retailers out there that don't know their customer because they're not putting any emphasis on that. And they're just filling their box stores. And then next thing you know, you hear about, you know, this, this great box store that's now gone under or what have you. Um, and I wouldn't say that they're great because if they were great, they haven't gone under. So I'll take that part back. But you know what I'm saying. And then you can also have it at such a minutia level, a niche level, where you have you know a, a mom and pop store or even just an e-commerce store. And uh, and I say just a, but I mean in this case I'm talking about just you know a smaller e-commerce presence. Um, and then your whole focus is lost because you don't you're not focusing on your your tried and true brand what it is you represent as a business um, and so then you don't know and if you don't know that then you don't know what your customers want and you learn a lot about what your customers want by engaging with them asking them questions uh, participating in that social conversation like you've mentioned um, and just really get to understanding your customer and I mean I've seen firsthand fairly recently I've seen I was in a meeting and I asked well what is the what are the challenges your customers are experiencing and, and you know because it would she you know we just wanted to keep I didn't want to but the the idea of the call was to keep adding new features and functions and I'm like well is that what's going to help or is or what is it that the customer is telling you or your guest, if you want, what are they telling you about the experience, and and how do you improve it that way, as opposed to just making assumptions? Um, and so I think that kind of goes back to your your mention about engaging in that social connection with them. Yeah, I, I um, just um, actually earlier today I, I published a, a new article in um, uh, Forbes, and it was all about some of the, the technology that's coming out of Israel now. And the interesting thing about that, yeah, and this is technology which is an innovation which is particularly targeted at retailers. And the interesting thing is that much of it is all about knowing your customer, and that means um, personalization at an individual level. Um, and of course, these days, the trick uh, to uh, to be able to do that is to make sure that you're not sharing personal or privacy uh, data and information and so forth. So, yeah, very interesting. There's a trend there that a lot of it is all about a retailer or a brand knowing their, their customer intimately. So then they can then target um, in the moment within context. Um, Rather than the what I I consider the majority 99% of so-called personalization today is 
just a scattergun approach or it's retrospective. Um, and, and that really doesn't do anybody any good because, you know, if you, you go onto your favorite online marketplace and, and you, you order something, it's unlikely um, that, you know, you, you know, you can order how many uh, of those items uh, as you need, whether it be one or several. But it's unlikely that you're going to straight away the next day or two go back and order another one. Um, and yet mm -hmm. we, we, we get bombarded with emails and pop up ads and so on and so forth. Well, I think that the, the good news is that in over the next few years that that will all change. Um, and it certainly should do because the means for it to, to change, are, are the tools for it to change are there, um, particularly mm -hmm. through you know, intelligent use of artificial intelligence. Um, <laughs> it's not, uh, yeah, actually, I actually didn't mean it in, in that kind of you know, intelligent, intelligent, but probably the better word actually is responsible uh, use of artificial intelligence. Um, well, you know, the reason I laughed at that, though, is because as, as much as yeah, you're changing it now to be responsible use of artificial intelligence, I do think intelligent use of artificial intelligence is actually very relevant. To what you're saying because quite frankly people are using these retargeting ads etc cetera, etc cetera, to to target the people who you know oh they put this item in their cart we need to go back and and, and send them but they've already bought it um, so you're not being I mean you're not being responsible by sending out those ads again like you mentioned or, or retargeting them but you're also not being very intelligent in the fact that you're sending that. You know, you should yeah. have taken the yeah. time to set that up properly so that you're not going back to these people. And and at that point, you're almost you're not even being that creep factor that people are always talking about. You're mm. no longer you're not even being a creep anymore. Now you're just being dumb. <laughs> to be honest, and that's why I thought it was a, such a well said word. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's tantamount to stalking. Um, yeah. There was a great, I use it in my keynotes now, there was a great, it, it was actually, um, I don't know the lady, but I wish I did, um, she tweeted something, um, she had uh, needed to purchase a new uh, toilet seat, because hers had broken for whatever reason, and, and um, this is, this is uh, in April last year, I think it was, anyway, her tweet went viral, because, and she was referring to, you know, our, our, we know who we're talking about, our, our favorite uh, online marketplace. And um, she said, look, I've ordered one. I just needed one. I don't have a toilet seat fetish. I'm not a toilet seat collector. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you tempt me, I'm really not going to go back and order another toilet seat. <laughs> I thought it was just brilliant. And it summed up, it summed up the level of so-called personalization, as you, and as you say, retargeting, that we... Uh, have to put up with these days and and it's incredibly unintelligent but as i say i, I think the good news is that, that you know um because as consumers we are we're more demanding and our level of expectation is, is growing all the time we simply won't put up with with that you know with that kind of nonsense um for, for too much longer because it it doesn't add any value to us and i think that's one of the and going back to you know your question about relevance and so forth, it, you know, re retail and retailers, I think, ha has a um, it hasn't quite reached a, a crossroads, but it's certainly reached a point where it's got an opportunity to almost redefine itself in our lives. 
and and to become as a sector more relevant. And I think there are plenty of opportunities for it, for it to do that. So, but in order to do so, it has to get closer to us, and it can't be that 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 engagement, that relationship, just starts and ends at the door to the shop or the website. I think that there's, and I think a lot of us would be quite happy to um, almost literally, perhaps not metaphorically, but literally open our front door to them if in return we see real value being added to 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 us in in, in our lives um, but again I, as I said I think the the good news is that that is starting to happen it's it's happening slowly and hopefully it'll, it'll accelerate because I think that will bring that will bring a really really exciting time yeah I think so too and it's kind of interesting what you say there too because um, you know it is often difficult in many ways, <clears throat> I think for for uh, you know brick and mortar. The reason, <clears throat> excuse me, the term brick and mortar in a sense is is kind of an interesting term. I was thinking about this before the call, and you know you build something. It's I was thinking about it because I've been reading this book to my two year old because all of a sudden he's now completely. Every night he wants me to read him the Three Little Pigs, and I laugh because he. He's not even really old. He's not even two yet, but he's, you know, he doesn't really understand the book or anything, but I read it and I understand it. And you get to the part with the, you know, the house is built of bricks and, you know, and bricks and mortar, obviously. And, and that's the one that doesn't fall. And then we're at a stage now where retail, people talk about retails, chain retails falling apart, blah, 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 whatever doom and gloom way you want to look at it. I think retail is just changing. Uh, evolving very quickly and rapidly, as yeah. your book points out a lot. And the thing about it is, um, <clears throat> with that in mind, we have to stop that old brick-and-mortar mentality in so many ways. And, and when you've been dealing with, with you know, something that won't fall down, with something that's so static in the way it's been done for hundreds of years, but then you... Then you have that oxymoron in the sense where you talk about Harry and Harry was doing things the way that we're trying to push and tell and, and get people to understand today. He was doing that hundred a hundred plus years ago. And so it's kind of, you know, it's not a matter of of history repeating itself because it's absolutely not repeating itself. It's changing and morphing incredibly quickly. But the idea here is very simple at its heart of it. And, you know, it is the very sense of, you know, like you said, inspiring and piquing curiosity. But it's really about, you know, giving people an experience or a, a you know, something that they enjoyed and then they'll go back for. It. And I think the one challenge we face in, in the business I'm in is how do we go about doing that in an online presence? And the answer is really in what we do, which is custom. Everything has to be customized and built in such a way that you're creating an experience that somebody's going to want to come back for. You're prevent, presenting them with some with some something of value that may not be related to what they're buying. Uh, well, it is somewhat related to what they're looking for or want to buy in the future, but you're preventing presenting them with something of value and experience. Maybe you're inspiring them or creating that you know piquing that curiosity some form or fashion, but really you're just trying to create some level of an experience that will have them come back again. 
Um, and I mean, every person says, you know, it's you pay a lot to get people to your site or in their door. You want to convert that sale right away. Yes, it's always great if you can, but you have to do it in such a way that you're not also not creating buyer remorse. So they went in, bought this product. Now they want to take it back and you don't want to create that negative side of things either, um, which in a sense is what we're talking about with this personalization and getting these these toilet seat ads every second now that I bought a toilet seat, you know, now all of a sudden you're creating a negative feel um, from that very, you know, oh, I just needed a toilet seat. And now you're getting a negative feeling about that, that, that retailer. Um, but anyway, that's my I, ramp. I think if, um, if Harry was alive today, I could almost guarantee that, he would not be talking about omnichannel. Um, I, I, I give a, a I, I gave a keynote uh, at a conference uh, last week, and um, and I said, right, I've got um, I've got a new term for you because um, I actually said to, to to the room, said, yeah, so you've all heard this term omnichannel. Um, anybody care to tell me what it means? And of course, the room was silent. And I said, well, I've got a new term for you, so you can forget about omnichannel because it doesn't exist. Uh, the new term is shopping. <laughs> and the point being, and, and this is where I think um, Harry would have seen it this way, and where some of the more forward thinking and they're often the younger kind of more startup retailers think, it's all one thing. And I think that, again, over the next few years, we probably will will find ourselves talking less and less and less about online and bricks and mortar or digital and physical. Um, mm -hmm. It'll all be one thing, uh, and yeah. I think at that point, you know, we we would have uh, the, the conversation that we're all having would have matured, um, because I think still we're, um, you know, we're, we're making that. I mean, there's still retailers out there. Let's be honest, who, um, you know, still struggling with sales attribution and and, and just wondering, you know you know, between the store and, 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 on, and online. And of course, as we know, depending on the, the, the item, uh, the journey can start in a number of different places and it can go through all sorts of um, routes and then end up either back at the same place or a completely different place. And, and, and so how on earth do you then, um, you know, decide where that... So I, I think this is something that, that um, you know, when they're looking at their store estate, a lot of retailers are trying to grapple with, with this and, and wondering, you know, well, is that store profitable or it's not? And, and um, you know, regardless of the amount of space that most, certainly in the UK, and I know in, in North America, and probably the same in Canada, that uh, we're overspaced. Um, so we know that, you know, that, you know, that the next five, 10 years, whatever, that there's going to be less and less stores. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a question of, of then using that space that you've got to best effect and to use it alongside and, and, and with a, as a whole, you know, your 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 physical stores, a physical manifestation of your brand um, with whatever online or call it digital, whatever we want to um, presence that, uh, uh, that you have. But regardless of what that is and regardless of the touch point again i'll come back to the point about it has to be relevant and it has to be inspiring and exciting and you know because otherwise we'll just move on uh, somewhere else because we have 
you know, we have plenty of choice these days. Yeah, no, it all. Yeah. yeah, no, it all makes a lot of sense, man. And I think people will get great value out of your book. And I, like I said, I can't wait for mine to arrive. Um, like I said, I've read what I can online and what have you, because people can get the what is it, the first first part of the book, uh, part one, Great Expectations, um, right on your website at harrywasrightallalong.com. Um, so I think people should go there and read that, and, and I think they should order your book, like I have. Um, like I said, I can't wait for it to arrive, because I'm also a big fan of the the fairly straightforward, easy reads, but also the fact that you've broken them down into, uh, from my understanding anyway, and I'll, hopefully this is the case, but um, mm-hmm. it sounds like you've broken them down into kind of shorter stories, um, in, in a sense. Um, and I'd always love listening to you because you're a very articulate individual, and I think you, everything I read of yours is very articulate and easy to read and uh, and very impactful with, with the information you mentioned. So, um, like I said, I can't wait for it to get here. And, and then put a tweet out to say, "Hey, look, it's here, Andrew." Yeah, <laughs> so. have to know what you you have to let me know what you what you think as well, because yeah, it, exactly. And the uh, when you open it, the kind of the the the, um, uh, the subheading to that is it. Yeah, it's a collection of short stories from from the high street. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as I said earlier in the podcast, it, it's designed to both entertain and inform probably in, in equal measures, but it's most definitely um, a story of hope and positivity because uh, I'm absolutely, I uh, do not subscribe to the narrative about the death of the high street and retail and retail apocalypse and all these sorts of things. But as you rightly said earlier, Brandon, yeah, it's changing, it's evolving. It might be doing so more rapidly than we ever seen before. And for individual retailers, uh, sadly, uh, it, it can be quite brutal, um, but yet yeah, the overriding thing to take away from the book is that it's a story of hope. Yeah, exactly, and that's the one thing I didn't focus on in the beginning, and I should have mentioned as well. Is, and I mean, I think one of the greatest, one of the greatest words in the, in the English language, anyway, is is hope. Um, I mean, I've got a few favorite words. Hope is one of them, and I think people need to be able to hang on to that hope. Um, and so I think hopefully by them reading reading what you've written, uh, it will it will in, inspire them and give them that level of hope. And and hopefully they'll take take some of the learnings that you've you've put into the book and and just kind of help point them in the right direction. Um, and I would be shocked if if people don't get that from the book. Um, and I'll tell you if I didn't get that from the book. I'll let you know. <laughs> but I mean, I get it from everything else here, right? I'll be surprised if I don't. <laughs> so. uh, but thanks again, Andrew, for being on the show. I was hoping that I guess I normally kind of I kind of cut you off a little bit there, but I wanted to make sure that you know because we can both go off on our own tangents for quite a while sometimes. <laughs> so, in the interest of time and people probably arriving at their destinations while the show is on and what have you. Um, do you have any final words of wisdom, um, anything that uh, you just want to highlight or point out? Um, and then, again, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, all I was going to say, actually, because I think I probably covered it, was, um, yeah, the um, 
go to harrywasrightallong.com. Uh, there'll be a link there to the first part and also to a Kindle, Kindle preview and to buying it. So it's available on um, Amazon. Um, and you can reach me, uh, well, retail-reflections.co.uk, uh, at Andrew Busby on Twitter. And um, yeah, just want to say thank you so much. It's always a pleasure coming on, Brandon. Um, look forward to doing it again soon. You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in something. Your gut, destiny, life, karma, whatever. Stay hungry. Stay hungry, stay foolish. Welcome to E-Commerce All-Stars, brought to you by Nadimo.com, where we help e-commerce entrepreneurs accelerate growth through modern technology and innovative thinking.